Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. All right, welcome back to the Sword and Shield podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erridge. And I'm Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard. Hey, Chief. It's been a while since we've been back together here uh, doing podcasts together, so good to see you. You too, sir. It has been, right? We've uh, With uh, everything going on and all the great guests that we've had over the last uh, few weeks, uh, we've been able to, to kind of break that up, and we've got to talk to some great people. But you and I haven't actually got to sit down and discuss uh, a number of items. Uh, I know like we just closed out DTs and we just closed out um, some of the KPLs recently and we're closing out all the senior NCO uh, EPRs and we're getting into the NCOs. And there's a lot of questions out there that's kind of hoping that we could talk about today, sir. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Um, some of these questions kind of can c- come up every year. I think we got to continue to refresh them. And then right. there's some new things that come up that we should maybe address is how, how we handle and uh, let the folks know kind of what we're thinking about um, from a development perspective. Yes, sir. Agreed. And, you know, from my perspective, I, I'd like to get your your uh, view on it as well, is that it all starts with uh, the ACA. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Yeah. So we talked uh, a few podcasts ago about EPRs, OPRs, and we talked a little bit about the ACA. But to me, the ACA is the foundational discussion between the supervisor and the member. Right. You have to have that discussion about what you expect. And I think the ACA is maybe just uh, a form or function for us to do that. We should be doing it anyways. Right. And we should have been doing it all along. And some supervisors do do it and, and some don't. And the ACA is just probably an avenue to make that happen. Um, and, and I've been in organizations where, hey, I want to see the ACA come with the EPR OPR to right. prove you did it. Um, and I've seen other organizations where you ask them ACA and they go, what? What's an ACA? What's an ACA? Right. So, but I, but I think it's important. And, and to me, I'm on the other end of, um, you know, I want to see the ACA and I want to make sure that supervisors are doing their job. And it's really important for me. Yes, sir. Now, I know ACA, we kind of uh, get wrapped up around the form, right? Um, versus the intent as well, right? The form is one of those pieces that uh, that helps drive towards the intent of, of what that assessment's for. Uh, when we look at the initial ACA, we're really talking about, okay, we've closed out this performance uh, period, uh, whether it's uh, your first time ever as a, as a young airman, uh, or if it's uh, you're a seasoned uh, individual like you and I, where, you know, maybe this is our 25th, 26th uh, different uh, performance uh, period but it, it sets the tone for what's going forward, right? Um, I know me personally, I've had uh, some periods where I just rocked it, right? And, and I thought that I was definitely high four, five. And then there's been periods where I, I honestly earned a four uh, and uh, just needed some extra guidance. And and I think that that helps set the, the tone for what's next and, and, and what that revolution looks like, that you're not um, always bound to that one period of time where maybe you did succeed or did not succeed uh, and how do we go forward and, and start cutting those lines. Yeah, I think it's important too to, to remember that some folks get wrapped around the fact that, um, well, I did the feedback at the midterm. That's all I have to do, right? And, right. and I think that's part of the problem with the ACA is um, that sometimes those supervisors aren't thinking about that. The feedback process should be continuous. And in that case where you talked about where you were, you know, performing at the four level, 
maybe some uh, intervention with the supervisor early would have provided some more motivation or helped you break some barriers to help you get to that five earlier in the process had there been some more kind of routine feedback. And so I think about that a lot. And, and when I have my ACA sessions, I talk about, all right, so this is the formal feedback, but are you getting enough feedback throughout the month, throughout the year, throughout the session? Try to have that discussion with my subordinates. Right. No, the continuous process is, is key there um, because when we set that that first list of expectations of, okay, airman so-and-so, uh, here's what uh, I see from you from previous this is the things and that I want to see forward uh, for you. These are my expectations. And then we go through that whole process of what's your goals for this next reporting period? What are your goals long-term in your career? Um, and then that continuous feedback of, okay, I see you're hitting the mark here. Here's some things I want to see improvements. Or remember we talked about this in our initial feedback, uh, some of the items I wanted you to get after. Now we're six months uh, in, in the case of uh, an annual report. When we talk about officers and uh, full AGRs. Uh, or maybe we're at that year mark when we're talking about uh, our arts and TRs of, okay, we're midterm here. These are the things that uh, we've succeeded at, but we haven't hit the mark here, here, and here, or I'd like to see some refinement in these op options and uh, then re-engaging with where are you at personally with your goals, right? Yeah, that's, uh, I, and I think that's key. It forces that discussion. And if I had some of those discussions where somebody, I, I just ask them, so where do you want to be in 20 years? Where do you want to be 25 years? Where do you see yourself? And they kind of go, well, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Well, you really got to think about that. Now, the path can change along the way, but at least if you have a plan, supervisor and the mentor can help you start on that path to achieve that plan. It may take a branch left or branch right. It may slow down, may speed up, but at least they're there to help you. And then for me in my career, that's been, um, I've, I've been demanding of feedback. And so I've had supervisors where I fill out the ACA or the old feedback form and walk in and say, I had a meeting schedule you boss. Here's my feedback form. Tell me how I'm doing. Like I right. had to be very deliberate about it. Um, but for me, it's important to understand where I stood and, and especially, you know, with my peers. And I don't think it's fair to people to just give them an EPR and say, or an OPR and say, sign it. Here's your performance for the year. And that they don't have one, don't have any input to it. And right. two, you haven't done any feedback throughout the year. Right. That performance eval is supposed to be an evaluation of performance. And if it's not reflective of the entire year and the discussion interaction within the supervisor, it's a little bit unfair to the moment. No, I fully agree. Um, I, personally, I had an, uh, an experience where I was um, A1C senior airman. Right. And uh, I went to my supervisor. I'm like, I'd like to sit down and, and discuss what where you're rating me. Right. Because we're closing out the EPR. And uh the answer I got it was very telling of the type of supervisor I had. Well, you know what what you're going to get. Oh, well, no, I, I, I don't. And that's why I'm asking you. Uh, can you kind of help me? Oh, you know, you know, it, it, it's good. It'll be fair, whatever. Um, and and I was left uh, taken back of that this individual felt like they they'd actually discussed it with me when we had very little interaction. And on top of it, I was going through um, a couple of things in my career um, that was negatively impacting potential performance, right? Um, I knew that there was a high potential of getting markdowns and that uh, that we were going through some uh, upgrade training issues uh, to get there. So it was really important for me to understand really where I was at so that I, I could make some decisions in my career. You know, as a, as a senior airman, I'm getting to the end of my, uh, my first uh, uh, enlistment. Do I want to continue on? Things like that. And uh, the fact that that supervisor did not want to discuss it with me uh, really put a negative taste in my mouth and then when I received the EPR, I was even more um, 
taken back because uh, if you're telling me I'm doing great and, and everything will be fine and then you get it here, um, you know, you see these different markdowns and you're like, well, that's, that's not, I don't see it the same way. So yeah, it's a different, different um, definition, interpretation of you're doing great. Right? Yes. You're doing great means something. The supervisor says you're doing great might mean something else. Exactly. And then of course, um, I think there was bad expectation management on my part too, looking back. Right. Um, you know, uh, a young airman in the nineties, the expectation was a firewall five, right. And that, uh, everything was going to be towards that direction that I'd have to do some monumental mistakes to, <clears throat> pardon me, to move to the left. And, uh, here I have a performance report that has markdowns and, and I, I thought I was performing quite well versus uh, today where those expectations are that uh, I, at that time, I was probably clearly uh, just a little bit to the right of, of center, not necessarily far right. Yeah, we're trying to, you know, especially on with the EPR, we are trying to get to the point where we're where we can level set that across, where we don't get that that creep on the report where everybody's in a very small area. And it's hard to distinguish between performance. I think if you're performing and doing your job, then that's what the expectation should be. And if you want to do more and you want different opportunities, then the supervisor needs to say, here's the things that you need to do to do job X in the future. Or you want this opportunity. These are the things you have to do. And that all doesn't show up on an EPR OPR. No, definitely. Uh, it really comes to those feedbacks, whether it's uh, on that ACA um, or whether it's that uh, continuum of uh, of actually providing that feedback and guidance in that airman development. It leads to some of the questions that I've had recently in regards to uh, breadth versus depth. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to guide our airmen, especially uh, within the reserves. Um, where do I aim them towards? I was wondering what you thought about that, sir. Yeah, so I think when I grew up as a lieutenant, I, you know, I was told to uh, stick you know, stick my face down, put my nose down, work hard, learn the job, be the expert in your job. And then we get to be a captain, senior captain, major, and then take on leadership opportunities. I think what we're doing now is we're asking people to take on more leadership opportunities at a much younger uh, age and opportunity. And within the reserve command, I feel like there's a lot more opportunities for that to happen um, than, than maybe on the regaf side, which is more structured and regimen right uh, we ask for people to step up and lead projects and opportunities and especially in cyber i think we need to get to the point where that crew commander doesn't automatically be the officer or the senior nco it should be that person who's the expert on that weapon system has experience and then the lieutenant or the senior nco is part of the team but they're not the crew commander right now there's different levels of leadership and when we're talking down to that lower team concept um, it doesn't have to be structured where you have the the highest ranking individual. Um, there's different uh, events or uh, missions where that may be required based on uh, the need of that mission. Um, but yes, yeah, so we we do drive a lot more towards uh, our younger airmen, and that's a capital A airman uh, to take on those roles, whether it's a lieutenant, captain, or a staff or tech sergeant. And in some cases, senior airmen. Right when we talk about our expeditionary com, uh, more often than not, uh, when we were the old vans a senior airman would be uh, the lead, right? Um, and be the crew commander for that particular van. Uh, in some of these uh, other missions and small packages, we still leverage those senior airman staff sergeants to, to take charge and lead that mission um, and, and be um, that element that's supporting a bigger mission, right? So Yeah, I came off, uh, so I got a great story here that really kind of uh, puts the rubber stamp on it for me. So I was a new commander, 
Um, and I came over into cyber and comm as a major. Um, and so way behind my peers were lieutenants that came up through the business. And uh, I had um, civilian, a little bit of civilian experience and some education, but not experience in the military. And so the unit, we took the unit to an exercise called Global Medic, which is now transitioned to Patriot Warrior. Okay. Uh, the Army was in charge and we were providing um, the old TEC equipment. And oh. so I didn't know anything about it. And so, but I showed up on site, I showed up to the Army Colonel, who is the site lead. And I said, hey, we're here to provide you comms. And um, here is Eric and Eric is a senior airman and I'm leaving tomorrow and he's gonna be in charge for the next two weeks. And a couple of tech sergeants, behind him and then a staff sergeant. I said, those four got it. And the look on the army colonel's face was like, <laughs> you're not leaving, you're in charge, you're the officer, you have to be here. I'm like, no sir, he's got it. This dude just came off, you know, reg -aff and was the expert and he led the team. And by the time I got, I came back for the outbrief at the end of the exercise, the army colonel was like, we want him back next year. Like, you don't have to come, major. <laughs> we don't need you. Like. We want Eric back by name. And I was getting emails throughout the year is make sure Eric comes back to the exercise next year. So I right. think I think the Air Force is a little bit more accepting that. And especially in this experience, um, it really proved to me that putting the right people in charge and the right leadership opportunities is really going to make the biggest, biggest impact of the mission. No, fully agree. Right. And, and that that probably gave that uh, senior airman. Um, a certain degree of breadth of experience from a leadership perspective that uh, if uh, had um, another individual in charge may not have gotten that, that, that experience. Right. Uh, and that goes to part of the, the conversation of, of breadth versus depth. There's ways for us to, to expand that breadth of knowledge and experience, even within our career fields and sometimes within our units uh, so that they can get that experience. So when it comes to uh, an opportunity to lead at, a, at the next higher rank or further ranks down the road um, that that comes into play. I'm sure that uh, Eric in this case uh, could look back and go, I remember when I was in this team, here's some of the the uh, skills that I had to leverage to work as a senior airman with a tech sergeant and giving that tech sergeant some direction, right? Because here now I'm not the highest ranking individual. I'm just in a uh, position. So I have a positional authority to say, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And what skill sets that that brought on. Yeah, I think it's important, right? So as, as a reservist, you don't necessarily bring that, ex you don't have to get that experience just in uniform. Right. And so there's people that are doing all sorts of wicked cool things on the outside. Maybe it's through a volunteer organization, maybe it's through their church, maybe it's their uh, you know, Cub Scout pack leader or a Girl Scout pack leader. Uh, we should encourage our people to take those leadership opportunities because we can benefit from that opportunity. We need to recognize that when they come into work, that that they do have more experience maybe doing those things and give them that opportunity to to lead and, and be a in a different role than you would normally put on just based on, you know, whatever rank you're wearing in front of your uniform. Oh, definitely, sir. I think that uh, I think we're exercising that within the wing, too. Uh, when we talk about uh, the wing priorities, right, we have uh, tech sergeant leading up portions of it, master sergeants. We've got captains. Uh, all the way through lieutenant colonels and chiefs. Um, it just depends on what the task is and, and the skill set that they bring to the table. And uh, I'd, I'd argue that not one of them has dropped the ball uh, and taken it on. Didn't didn't have anything to do with their rank. It had everything to do with uh, their skill set and their ability to to multitask. Um, and then us capturing that talent uh, and putting it together 
and then we'll capture that here at the end of the reporting period and show that they have that breadth of experience and kind of bring all of those things together, right? So started with the, the ACA and talked to the individual where, where they want to be, how do they want to showcase their capability, encouraged a few of them, sometimes dragging them along. Sure, sometimes you have to do that, yeah. Right, and, and now we've given them the, a, a opportunity to actually execute and, and build those skill sets up. Um, the other piece I'd, I kind of want to push towards is um, sometimes uh, how do we encourage individuals to step outside of those comfort zones? Do you have any uh, words of advice on that? Sir? So I, so I think it's hard uh, as an introvert. It's really hard for me to do that. And in, in my past career, I've had all these really cool opportunities and be frankly, many of them I was pushed like from the back, like you need to go do this. You need to go do this. It leads to great opportunities. And, um, I'm very comfortable in kind of, you know, after six months or so in a job, very comfortable with what I need to do. Um, and so as supervisors, we just need to, you know, push those people and and give them, uh, you know, what's going to happen on um, with that opportunity and where that leads to and try to tie it back to the individual goals of what they want to do. And obviously we talk about, hey, we're looking for people to stratify as one of the differentiations that we use is what have you done above your organization and maybe right. outside of your organization as um, as a way to, to show that, you know, hey, I'm doing great things here. Um, and so I think there's an incentive piece there. There's a per personal and professional development piece that we need to help people understand. And sometimes it's literally a push. And, and so we're going to kind of um, start talking more about those opportunities outside the wing, because I think um, with the release of the CSI pad and the comm squadrons moving to MDTs and, and comm squadrons across the Air Force turning to cyber squadrons is going to be a lot more opportunities right. for people inside our wing to go do cyber things that are in not traditional, right. you know, cyber lanes that will, will become cyber lanes. And that that part of the community needs needs you and needs us to go lead it because they don't necessarily have the experience there. We need you to go do that. So we may push some people for opportunities to go do that. We want you to get out there, do that, learn some things, get some new skills, and then come back to the wing with new opportunities and a new perspective and um, be a better leader because of that growth. No, I fully agree, sir. Right. So, um, you know, Another uh, arena that's really shown growth, and I, I kind of use it as an example of how cyber is going to be moving, um, is uh, space, how space has uh, really matured over the last uh, years, right? I mean, granted, it's been out there for quite a long time. When we talk about uh, the space race uh, in the 60s and on and how that uh, communications after Sputnik really blew up and how that worked. And uh, we've gone kind of paired with them for many years. And as they split off and as now cyber go goes away from comm, we have a huge um, opportunity here to take it to the next level. And I think those are some of those opportunities you're talking about. So if we take these individuals that have that expertise um, from the military side and the civilian side, um, they can really help define what cyber looks like, not only for the Air Force Reserve, but maybe even the Air Force as a whole, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We don't know what space is going to, what opportunities are going to bring. We know they're going to be there. And as we try to figure this thing out, I think people just need to keep their minds open about those opportunities because right. it may not be a traditional comm or cyber role, but there's an opportunity for you to maybe grow as a person and then bring those skills back to the community and, and share them and do things differently maybe than we're in doing right now. Right. And just like space has embraced um, some of those changes. That's where I challenge our cyber 
airmen is to embrace some of those changes, right? Because they were able to embrace some of the changes, see where they've gone and how they're growing. Cyber is primed just a few years behind them <clears throat> in the same sense. So if we can use that as a model, uh, in some cases, the good parts, <laughs> and uh, embrace that change, imagine what we can uh, even uh, grow with cyber to be. Maybe yeah, I think we're 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 in the infancy still of what cyber is going to look like. I mean, if you ask me 20 years from now, I have no idea, but I can tell you it's not going to look like it does today. Right. For sure. And the skills we have now are not the skills that we're going to need in the future. And, and so we're uniquely postured because of 80 uh, percent of our people are part time and they're and they're at the cutting edge in a lot of places in their civilian community. And we want them to bring that to us and help us shape and i think we're still small enough and we think uh, as a community i think we've we we think very innovatively and right. that we're we're willing to do that and make those changes and continue to be um part of this leading edge of what the air force is trying to get to be the real you know the sharpened sword at the front yes sir uh, the innovation's key right there right so um just kind of looking back through my experience uh we went from uh, mill spec mill standard uh, when I first came in, you know, years ago, uh, and we moved into what they called um, COTS, you know, the commercial off the shelf. And ever since, we've just kept on iterating that rotation faster and faster and faster. So innovation and uh, the experience that comes with that innovation is definitely going to be key to lead us uh, in the next step for cyber. Yeah. So Moore's law still applies. And I think it's mm -hmm. accelerating faster and faster. And we need to we need the people that are able to, to continue to keep up with that. Uh, what I think is interesting is that the Air Force from let's let's take a look at the programmer developer, right? We had this massive force back in the 80s. We're doing all of our development. When we went to COTS, you know, we kind of cut that competency out of our force because we're purchasing it from the commercial community. Well, look what we're doing now. We're trying to do still continue to use the civilian community to innovate and help us, right. but we're trying to build some competencies back. And it's interesting when you look at Castle Run and Bespin and the software factories and right. AFWorks and CyberWorks. Um, they're looking for people with the skills and they don't care what your AFSC is. No. Like they put a call out um, for whatever programming language we need help with. And if you know it and if you don't know it, you got a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. They'll teach you if you're willing. Right. And so they're taking these people and the Air Force has recognized this because they're now doing the, the reg apps going through. And having people document their programming languages as a language skill. Yeah. And so I think that that shows where, uh, where the Air Force head of their services, they're not thinking that way. And in order for us to be competitive in this, um, this near peer great competition we're in with our adversaries, that we need to we need to do that and continue to grow those people and develop them. Yes, sir. Right. And it really does start with what are your goals as an airman, right? What do you want to do? And then how do we align all that together, right? Yeah, so if Lieutenant Erridge was sitting here and Airman Howard and we were having this discussion 26 years ago, <laughs> um, I, it would, uh, I would not tell you I was going to be a wing commander or that I wanted to be a wing commander. Right. right. And so those changed over time, and I think that's fine. But what helped me along the way is people forcing me to think about my development and in using um, the feedback process and then the ACA and my OPRs and my decorations to document my performance, which gave me some uh, positive self-esteem about what I was doing and that I was making a difference and helped me grow. And, and then the nudges and the pushes to go do different right. things along the way 
It really made me who I am. It's not because who I who I was. I was a punk lieutenant who thought he knew everything and um, was going to do four years in this Air Force and then go do other things. And uh, here I am today due to um, all those great commanders and supervisors I've had over the years that helped push me. And some bad ones, too. Let's be honest. Yes. Right. (laughs) Been a couple out there. That's for sure. And I think you can learn just as much from them as as you can the good ones. Right. Definitely. Right. I've had some great ones, mediocre ones and some bad ones. And each one has provided at least a little bit of knowledge and experience that uh, helps me decide how I'm going to handle certain things or develop my airmen and what's really important when it comes to those connections with those airmen. Yep. Staying connected, being a leader. Um, think about the future, learning your job, knowing your job, demanding expectations. All these things are important. And, and so we're going to charge all of our airmen, doesn't matter what uniform you wear or what rank you're wearing, that uh, demand feedback, be a good mentor. And you know, I've had mentors that are outside the community in the civilian world. Um, so I got four or five people that when certain things come up, I'm bouncing things off them and getting some ideas and then um, understand that each one of them is a data point. Right. That it's not necessarily the end all and, and they see it from their perspective. But I think it's important for us to continue to push that on our airmen. And, we're, and I'm going to charge everybody to be that good supervisor, be that good airman, demand that feedback and um, and demand the opportunity to develop yourself. No, sir. There's no one way to get to success. Right. There's no one single pathway. It all depends on a, a series of events and experiences that. Uh, each airman um, go through and the decisions that they make based on those experiences leads them to the next step, which leads them to the next step. And then as supervisors, sometimes we're we're taking them just in the shoulders, pointing them in a direction. Sometimes we're just picking them up, dusting them off. And sometimes we're just moving out of the way so that they can succeed. Right. And sometimes you're in front of them, right. you know, creating a pathway too. Yes. Or you're walking alongside, holding hands or chatting them up, motivating them the whole way. Sir. So the future is bright and we're going to talk more about that in the future. And there's a lot of great opportunities headed our way. So thanks for joining us in this episode and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time.